conductive way And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today we're doing a roundtable on the first and possibly only season of Watchmen. It remains to be seen if we will have another one, but I am joined today by Katie Schaefer and Danny Ryan. Ladies, how are you doing? Very good. Very excited to talk Watchmen. Yeah, I'm uh, doing great. Excited to talk this one with uh, the two of you. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, so why don't we just get right onto it before we dive into the show, though? Katie and I did an episode on the comic book, which I will link to in the show notes. So I guess this question is more so for you, Danny. How familiar were you with Watchmen before the show? Had you read the comic? Obviously, Katie and I have. So your turn to answer this. I've read the comic. It's been a little while, um, but I've definitely read the comic a couple of times uh, about a decade ago in college. Um, and I've seen the Zack Snyder movie two or three times. And uh, while I'm somewhat familiar with it, I was never a huge fan. Um, I'm not a big fan of Alan Moore in general. So, okay. Uh, and, and then the Snyder film. Yeah, also not a huge fan. So uh, it was kind of a different thing for me going into this because <laughs> I was expecting to hate it and was very surprised. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like people either really enjoy Alan Moore's work or they're on the other side of it where they're like, okay, I see what you're doing, but I don't really like it. Yes, I'm on the other side. I really love Alan Moore because it was one of he was one of the first like comic book artists I started to follow and read. And I've only read or I've tried to stick to his more um his less crazy works and I, there, but I will admit he is a incredibly flawed man and makes some incredibly flawed art, but I found the good stuff in it for myself at least. Oh, definitely. And I'll never shame anybody who likes it as long as they're not the kinds of people who are like, dude, Rorschach was right all along. And I feel oh, like no. this, sh this show really took the right stance with things and kind of helped helped me see the source material in a new light and helped me see maybe more of what it was really going for in the first place. Yeah, I think what helps with this show in particular a lot is the fact that it's just set in the world. It's not a direct adaptation. So what were your initial thoughts when you both found out that that was going to be the case and it wasn't going to be just some sort of regurgitation of the comic or a TV version of the Snyder movie? So I went into this like pretty much with no knowledge about what was going to happen and what it was about. Like I hadn't read any news. I was just like, oh, they're doing a Watchmen series. I'll watch that and see what it's like. And so I decided I was like, yeah, I just won't watch any trailers and we'll just watch it and see how it goes. And I was, it took me a little while to realize I went through the first episode and I was like, okay, what's going on? And so I then went and did the research and was like, this is a good choice. This is a good choice. This is much more what I would like to see when they make these kinds of movies. And this one and this story in particular lends itself well to that kind of adaptation rather than a remake. We already saw a remake, particularly not good remake with Zack Snyder. We didn't need another remake. Now this is like an origin story. You know, the origin story is never going to be the best version of the, of the superhero story. It's always the one after because those are the ones that are interesting. It's not just about discovering who these people are. We get 
to dig into what drives them. And it's interesting you you say that, that we get to dig into what drives them and it's not totally the origin story because that's kind of what I loved about this was that it didn't handhold at all for people who were not super well-read on the Watchmen lore and who, you know, weren't picking up all the little tiny hints of different things that were being put down. Um, so it could be really confusing in places, but I enjoyed that bit of mystery. Um, I know that, you know, the mystery box storytelling can be pro a problem sometimes, but that first episode was just such a giant WTF that I was like, okay, you know what? I have no idea what's going on, but I'm interested. I'm hooked. It's not just, you know, uh, crazy weirdness for crazy weirdness sake. And the cast was so incredible and just the direction and the art, especially the art direction is just such a beautifully shot and scored and um, soundtracked show that I was hooked from the get. And, uh, and, and even though I'm not a Watchmen super fan, you know, so I think it's interesting that, you know, you feel the same way that it's more interesting to have the stories that are not the, Hey, this is who, Dr. Manhattan is, and this is who so-and-so is. I mean, even the new characters, we kind of have to fight to figure out who they are. It's not just, oh, here's so-and-so's origin story, quickly delineated in a flashback with some uh, fuzz around the screen. Yeah, they each get their own episode. But even with that, they're all, there's still so much more going on than telling the story, with than telling a little bit of their story anyway. Right. I feel like this really does a nice job of taking this concept from Watchmen and making it more about that kind of world that they were living in as a whole. We see the state that the police force is in. We see what happened in the past with these various flashbacks, whereas even though the comic does have a lot to say about the state of the world during that time, it feels very focused on that group of characters and not a whole lot else. And you do get that a little bit with this, but I just felt like this had a much better sense of the world around it as a whole. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it's all so, like, you're just kind of dropped in and things are already moving. Yeah. I think that's what I really loved about that first episode is that there's no preamble, no nothing, just like, and go. Right. Oh, yeah. You're definitely in media, you're just instantly in the middle of everything and you've got to kind of figure it out. Like, who are these characters? Um, who are they in relation to what I already know from the comics? And uh, anytime I figured out like a little tiny thing, I would get super excited and, and text my <laughs> friends and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I figured out what's going on with, you know, who this Lori Blake is and the comedian and this, this. I was so excited. And they were like, oh, you figured it out. Only <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a lot of fun to to try and figure it out and to actually really engage with this world because, like you said, this the world building is incredible. Uh, one of my favorite little pieces of world building is the telephones where you can call Dr. Manhattan yes. uh, on Mars, quote unquote, and, and talk to him and just the way that they're designed and the, that, the fact that they exist, uh, those little tiny pieces of world building are what really kept me hooked after the initial WTF wore off. It made it so much fun, even though the story itself was not a fun one by any means. You know, there's a lot of struggle. There are a lot of dark things that they're touching on in this season. And Danny, you brought up the cast briefly earlier. So that leads me to my next question. Was this cast good or was this cast good? <laughs> it, this cast was amazing. I mean... 
I don't know. The choices with who they made to represent the characters to, like, Regina King in particular, like, she is the driving force behind this show. Yes. And it's delightful. Like, I, I was, I was like, I'm going to watch this whole show just because she's in it. Because I really like her as an actress. And getting to see her just be this incredibly complicated character and owning it so thoroughly was just a delight. I, yeah, Regina King, uh, we, we stand Regina King. Um, yes. She, yes. She's incredible <laughs> in this. Angela Abar is such a complicated character and not a complex character like, oh, she has a tortured past or this or this. I mean, yeah, there's some of that because it's a superhero show Whether you know, no matter how you dress it, there's going to be some of the tropes, but she's, she's allowed to be flawed like there are moments where i watch what she's doing and i'm like i don't know if i'd have gone that route hon but i i'm so interested in her story and i'm so able to empathize with her that it doesn't matter and i think that's one thing that was really interesting with this watchman is that in all the other iterations i've had a really difficult time empathizing with any of the characters uh, because they're just so self-centered they're so deluded and this and that and by giving us characters that are not necessarily that level of superhero like angela abar uh, like Wade Tillman, Tim Blake Nelson is just incredible. He broke my heart pretty much every episode. Oh, yeah. It, it just great stuff that, okay, this is my door. This is how I get my foot in is by these characters who I actually care about. Um, Gene Smart as Lori Blake. Oh, my goodness. Shout out to Lori Blake being my favorite character in the show because <laughs> she's just absolutely amazing. And again, another very uh, flawed female lead who's strong as anything and tough as nails. Love her. There are so many more characters to enjoy in this than I found to enjoy in the comic. Because when Katie and I discussed the comic, we were like, man... Very, very few people in this are actually remotely likable. And in this, you at least have, you know, Angela Abar and her family. And, you know, she had adopted these kids. So there's a sense of groundedness, I guess you can say, with these characters that I didn't feel with the characters in the comic. And just the casting was so fantastic. You know, I will watch... Regina King and anything at this point. I watched that Netflix series, I believe it was called Seven Seconds, that I think a lot of people either didn't watch or didn't really like, but I was like, Regina King's in it. I'm going to watch it and you can't stop me. <laughs> so she's a person who always gives these fantastic performances, no matter who she's surrounded by. And she always lifts up the cast members surrounding her as well. And, you know, having someone like Jean Smart in this too, especially after seeing her in Legion, I was like, yes, please. More of her in the superhero weird shows. Well, and too, with the both I think the casting and the writing, I think it's interesting that they've made, you, you noted how it's not quite as wild and as cynical, I think, as both Alan Moore and Zack Snyder's Watchmen. I think both of those are deeply, deeply cynical takes on humanity and uh, morality. 
And I feel like this is a little bit less cynical because even the quote-unquote villains have moments where we completely, if we can't, um, you know, agree with their motivations, we at least understand them. And I think uh, Jeremy Irons is so incredible as Ozymandias and uh, Hong Chao as Lady True because they're ultimately the villains but i found myself occasionally being like oh i feel like i just want to give you a hug you just needed a hug when you were little (laughs) right jeremy irons in this is like and i i love jeremy irons even in his like because jeremy irons is the pinnacle english actor and that he will take any job he is here to make some money folks And and he will run with it all the way oh yeah Oh, that yeah. scener- that scenery is going to be entirely consumed by the end of his performance. <laughs> Don't worry. And in this, like he he brings it all as he usually does, but he also it f- like he feels like such a natural progression of the character from the comics. Because like, I, you know, really we only get two from the original comics mm-hmm. that kind of carry the story on and both of them do an amazing job but jeremy irons just he makes you hate him and yet still kind of like you said danny like i just kind of want to give you a little hug though you're so sad (laughs) i just uh, stop doing that but but then he's just such an asshole at times that it's just it's like the characters in this are so complex and that is entirely due like to the actor's ability to perform this script. Because the script is great, mm-hmm. but without good actors, you would not have what the show is. Oh, ag- exactly. Like Lady True, Hong Chao, like there's these little moments where she's being funny, where she says these little one liners or these little quips. And it's the way that she portrays that non-verbally, like she kind of smiles to herself or she just very slyly like looks away or something like that, that she knows she's funny. And it's like that little moment where her awareness of self and her confidence show through is really, really what makes her more interesting than your average, you know, oh, I power hungry character. With her, it's not that she's power hungry. It's that she actually thinks she's best for the job. Like Ozymandias did. Exactly. And it's it's so brilliant. And with the eventual reveal of who she is, you're just like, well, duh. That's brilliant. (laughs) One of the things, too, is the fact that all of these new characters had something interesting about them that makes you pay attention whenever they're on screen. You're like, oh. This character just popped up? Okay, let let me stop everything. No multitasking during this show because I need to know who these characters are at their core. And I think without good writing, that's something that would have fallen flat. And another thing that might have fallen flat too are the callbacks to the original. Do you feel like those callbacks worked well for you? Oh, yes. I think that was going to be a delicate dance. Mm-hmm. This entire production was a delicate dance to make it come out right. And I think they chose well because Ozymandias, we don't get a whole lot of him in the original comic. And so it's quite satisfying to see what he's, the very lows he's fallen to, despite his rich, crazy house. And then Laurie, who is kind of the heart of the comic book, you know, she has probably the most consistent moral structure and is the most uh, innocent through the whole thing. And I think that that was to show her like, well, this is what happens when 
you experience such a horrifically world traumatizing event like happens at the end of Watchmen. You know, this is what you become. And she does, you know, as we said, like, she's so good in the role and it really works well. And both of them kind of add a little continuity to it without being overwhelming because it would have been overwhelming. Oh, yeah. If we had if we had like an actual Rorschach show up, you know, the oh, bad God, no. character, it, it would have just been it would have been bad because I don't think there's a way to do that character with this story and and make it work. Right. Well, and he dies at the end of Watchmen. So it would have been like a, a horrific like, what are we doing here? But I thought <laughs> what they what they did with that worked. Right. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Making the like into like the clan essentially was hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. Such a refutation of his his character in the comic. Yeah, that's that's like I'm like I bet Alan Moore is so mad right now that he can't <laughs> even handle it and and it's not even so much that I'm like laughing at him as I am the fanboys that are that have idolized that character for all the wrong reasons and now it's being pointed out to their faces and they're just mad about it. It's funny. It makes so much sense too and that's why it works so well. You're just like Oh, yeah. Yep. That's what happened. Yeah. We're all on board with this, except for maybe some of the fanboys there. But for me, a lot of these callbacks, they weren't really bashing you over the head with them. They're just like, this is what the world has become. And these are the roles that these characters you're familiar with played in those changes in the world. And when you have Lori Blake becoming an FBI agent, you're like, yeah, I could see that happening. That makes sense given where things went in the comic book. And you're like, okay, that's that. We're kind of over her being Lori Blake, so to speak. And we can just move on with the story. None of it is holding this story back. It all serves a purpose. And that's when callbacks are truly fun and enjoyable in a show, even though, you know, maybe not everyone is going to be super familiar with the comic, they can still kind of get the idea and be like, oh, okay, this is just a thing everyone knows about and we're dealing with it. Yes. That's kind of how it felt. Was it, it worked so well and kind of seamlessly into it. It didn't feel forced on anyone. And I agree, it has to add to the story or it's just tiresome i think is kind of the word i would use to describe it when you're just it, when it becomes too fan servicey i'm like Ugh. let's get to the story the real story <laughs> and they're at the heart they're like well they're right outside they're adding the outside to this story and they're necessary for the story to come to its full completion so it works mm -hmm. it's clear that all three of us enjoyed this season for the world building for everything it was, but I do want to peg down some of our favorite moments, which given how good this was, there are probably a lot. So I'm more so just curious if we all have the same favorite moments or if they're different. I would guess there's a couple at least that everybody's like, these are amazing. <laughs> I think that scene, I don't know if it's a favorite necessarily, but it's stuck with me. And it is one of the things I think of is, um, the scene in the first episode where the cows <laughs> they're going through the cows and there's the, the gunfight and they're hiding behind this herd of cows. And it's just, it became so 
whoa, this shit is getting real. And it was such an affecting way to start off that, start off such an intense series, I think. That was one of my, all right, this is really well done. <laughs> this is really well crafted, I think, is what it's that scene strikes me. Yeah, I, the first episode for me was just so striking because it was like, oh, we're talking about race and we're talking about race like no punches held and so for me the between the opening um with what happened in Tulsa and then cutting to the the police chief hanging at the very end I was like oh okay that's this is what we're in for okay we have this show has a lot on its mind and it's not afraid to go to some places that I was really not expecting it to go and so for me the, the those were just that whole first episode and just being like okay this is completely different from anything I could have anticipated just being completely drawn in by it at that point is definitely something that will stick with you for you know a show like this and Obviously, a lot of people will probably like this moment as well, but one of my favorites was the Dr. Manhattan reveal, and I was like, oh, they did that? And just the fact that they kind of kept you in the dark, and they were like, okay, we're going to show you Angela's husband, but he's not really going to have much to do, and then all of a sudden, it's like he's the center of attention, and I thought keeping him in the shadows for as long as they did was nicely done. And maybe for some people it was predictable, but I didn't think anything of her husband initially. I was like, oh, it's that guy, you know, and he was well casted as well. Yeah, that was my thought. I was like, I think I figured it out the episode before it happened, but it was after they had dropped yep. tons of clues. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's what's going on. All right. This is good. This is great. <laughs> like it was because, you know, it seemed usual for them to say, like, oh, Dr. Manhattan's on Mars or whatever. But then you find out, oh, no, we've been fucking with you all along. He's been in this show since the first episode. It was just <laughs> such a such a great moment. Um, and I, too, was really pleased about that. And the I think for another one for me, one of the best episodes in general, but, like, the scene, the, the episode that's about the two of them meeting... Um, Angela and Dr. Manhattan meeting for the first time. Okay. Yeah. The scene where he comes in and sits down and like, you don't see his face. At the you bar. You his hands. Yes. At the yeah, bar. Yeah. The meet cute. It's so yes. cute. It is so cute. And it's just, and like, since I love that they put it later in the season so that we know who Angela is now and we get mm -hmm. to see her in this more like, she's not so traumatized. Like she's been through so much. And at this point she still been through a lot, but not what she goes through later. And so the two of them just back and forth, it's so sexy and fun. And the fact that you don't get to see his face. And so everything relies on Regina King's reactions and the, and his voice is so well done. Yeah. That whole date moment is brilliant. Just that whole sequence of them meeting and he, you know, I experience time differently from you. And he laughs and he's like, oh, no, that's something you say 10 years in the future. And it's just it's brilliantly written. And the chemistry between the two of them is incredible. And I just absolutely love that reveal. And I figured it out probably right around the same time you did the moment where he's been hiding in a human body. I was like, oh, snap, it's Cal. 
It's yeah. Cal. I think be. that was it. Yep. <laughs> you figure it has to be someone we've seen at least because they're not just going to bring in some random person and then be like, oh, by the way, it was this person you hadn't seen all these episodes up until this very moment. So you're kind of like, all right, well, we know it's not this guy or this guy or this guy. So then you start figuring it out and then they just hit you with it and you're like, yeah, I like this. This this was a good move, even if you figure it out a little sooner than they give it to you. But, you know, another moment I really liked was when the car drops in front of Lori after she leaves the booth and she's just screaming. <laughs> oh. And I was just like, oh, yes, that is so great. And it does make you believe that he's like listening on Mars because this car just comes out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, okay. So he is hearing her. <laughs> It's such yes. a perfect misdirect. Yeah. Right? And that just the whole thing works so well. And I, I love the scene where she's telling him the joke. Like that gives, yeah. that little scene gives us so much detail about who Lori is and what she's been doing since then. Just from what she's telling him and her tone of voice. And like, ah, uh, I was just the whole time like, this is great. I am slow clapping through this whole thing because it's so marvelous. <laughs> Yeah, the, for me, the things that I was just blown away by was anything with uh, Ozymandias and the clone, well, his, not the clones, but his children, not even his children, uh, Dr. Manhattan's children on uh, the moon of Jupiter. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Everything with, with all of these clone people, basically, who are, um, you know, they're perfect in every way that he's, they're you know, humans with all of the badness removed and their only empathy. And um, so, you know, he's killing them and stuff and they're like, thank you. And then he, it's so warped, but it's so funny. And everything with that was just delightful. Uh, and leading up to my number one absolute favorite reveal in the show is when um, we it's revealed where Ozymandias is and he's been in that stupid statue the whole time yes I laughed so hard my husband was like what happened and I was like he's in the statue oh <laughs> yes I too because you see it you see it like two or three times and you're like that's weird it's in the second episode that's actually the very first shot of Lady True is her looking at the damn statue yeah so when you find out that that's him I was just like oh my god <laughs> there were certainly a lot of great moments that added much needed levity to this because you couldn't have this show turn out the way it did without these just outright hilarious moments that we do get. They got the perfect balance with all of the feelings that they wanted you to feel with this. And, you know, I personally don't have really any super nitpicky things to say about the show or any least favorite moments really is that the case for you two as well i think there was my my biggest nitpick with this which before i share that i have to tell you one more favorite moment was okay. lube guy Do you guys <laughs> yes, remember guy. lube guy justice for lube guy <laughs> i was like did he just spray himself with lube what the fuck <laughs> and then we never see him again he's just gone I just, I loved that. That was a moment of pure delight in a show that is otherwise not, doesn't have a whole lot of delight in it. And it perfectly sets off the scene. Um, but anyway, so the, the thing that I, that if anything bothered me in the, in watching this was a problem I have with Dr. Manhattan as a character in general, which is that he's always telling you about how he sees time differently. And it's like, I know, 
I've known you for a <laughs> while, dude. You don't need to tell me every day. And I feel like that would get so irritating. But it's also like, I know that it's part of the character, but it becomes after a while. I was like, yeah, shut up, dude. Let's continue on with the story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That uh, when he's like, I, I understand time because he keeps doing it. Like the first two or three times, I'm like, okay, I get it. But like when he keeps doing it to people he knows, you're like, no, you've, you've told them this already. Can't you go back and experience that right now so you stop doing this? <laughs> right, to the point where Angela's like, I know. I know, honey. I know. Come on now. <laughs> We've been dating you're like gone, three years. But your memory, come on. Yeah, exactly. You're experiencing time badly is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's like one of your uncles who's done way too much LSD, and they're like, did I tell you about... Yes, yes, you did. Thank you. <laughs> I know that. Thank you, sir. Thank you for telling me that we only have 10 years together, and it's going to end in tragedy. Thanks for the reminder. Oh, right. Good job. Uh, that's just crushing. <laughs> if I had to pick one thing that kind of stood out to me as not really a least favorite thing, but just a really weird thing was when you have like the squid falling from the sky and everyone just pulls over acting like it's normal. I was like, no matter how many times that had happened, I would never act like it was normal and just, you know, like hail. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? I too was like, I feel like I'd be pretty upset by that. And then when you find out later that like it happens... But it happens very randomly that it's like, well, I feel like people wouldn't get used to it. It can't be that like squid comes, you know, every, every, you know, spring we get some squid falling from the sky. Just there'd be a whole industry around that. Like you'd have <laughs> your, your squid sweepers and then there'd be people like trying to go get them and make calamari. Like there could be a whole sky squid industry. <laughs> yes. yes. There, there really could. could be. But that covers it as far as direct questions I wanted to ask both of you. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up to you two and we can just have an open discussion about anything else on the show. Katie, anything you want to bring up? Okay. So <laughs> yes, get ready. <laughs> um, so I think like you brought up earlier, Danny, I think that how they handle race in the show and we are three white women, so excuse us because we're probably going to fail at some point here. Um, I think it handles itself so well, and it. I love the hooded justice, the hooded justice timeline that we get, and the reveal that like this story is to a certain extent all about hooded justice, a character who gets very little time in the Watchmen. He's very much a background character, and I thought that part of it. That was the deepest reason why I enjoyed the show is the relationship between, you know, him and his granddaughter and the incredibly different world uh, that they live in regarding race. And like, I think that is such a great extension of the comic book, because the thing that's really interesting about the comic book is that, you know, it's set in the world that is ours up until the point of the superheroes. And then everything splits off and it's like a split timeline. And this is a, you know, this is this timeline stretched off even further. And I think that was such a great area to focus on. And I was very, like at the end, I felt very satisfied with how they addressed those issues. I agree. I thought that it was a really interesting way to tackle it. Because, I mean, the original, you know, Watchmen is who watches the Watchmen. That's basically it. That's, it's who 
is in charge of policing our police. Mm -hmm. And with everything that's been going on in, you know, in the USA in the past couple years and police brutality and everything, I think that both that the show has a lot to say about that and it's but it's really careful because it lets the it's letting the audience figure it out on their own um i've seen a couple of folks who have said you know oh it didn't go far enough it didn't have teeth and i'm like well lindelof's a white guy and maybe he didn't want to try and go that far with it uh but it it still really really hits you in the heart and makes you feel um so much empathy for these characters and and by making angela abar a black woman police officer and not vigilante because they're you know authorized by the government vigilantes which is kind of crazy to think of uh i think that it makes it more complex and i think that it makes it more interesting and it's a really good take on what the original watchman was about Oh, absolutely. I loved everything about the Hooded Justice storyline and that struggle between being who he was and being as capable as he was, too, and not getting any real credit for this. And I'll admit, history is by far my worst subject. I practically failed U.S. history in high school because I could not bring myself to pay attention to it and left for many basketball games during that class by chance. And so I actually wasn't familiar with the story of Tulsa. So not only did the show give you these characters that you don't normally see put at the forefront of TV shows in general, even today, it educated me on something I had no idea about. And, you know, history not being my strong suit is no excuse for not knowing about, you know, these big important events in history. So to find out about that, you know, I started Googling it and I was like, wow, this is actually horrible and interesting to read about all at the same time because it gives you this perspective that you wouldn't otherwise have. Right. And it's great that this show tries to explore that because it is not the kind of story that we usually see, especially mm -hmm. in comic book movies. Comic book movies are not known for their, you know, willingness to tackle difficult issues. And I mean, the original comic obviously tackles some incredibly complex, difficult issues. And I think this is a real growth from that. And I like that they're so blatant about it like this is not they they don't dance around it the you know rorschach like we talked about is his descendants if you will are the kkk and they're still trying to take over the world it's just so unbelievably like yep this is what we're doing and if you don't like it we don't care well and i think that it's interesting too because just as this uh, plays off of what happened in Watchmen, sort of the everything at the end of Watchmen was this great trauma. And so we're getting to see how everybody in this is reacted to that trauma after a period of time. But I feel like most of our main characters also have some sort of inherited trauma, uh, most directly uh, through Angela, because she goes, she <laughs> ingests the m memories of her grandfather of Hooded Justice, and so she has literally inherited his trauma. And the other characters have too. I mean, like Lori Blake inherits her mother's trauma, and 
Lady True, you know, inherits her mother's trauma and all these these characters that are the children of people who have been put down or marginalized or horribly hurt by, uh, you know, the people in power. It's about them trying to find their place and to do it for themselves and not just for uh, their ancestors or for the people that sort of haunt them. And I think that it's really meta because of that, too, because it's kind of like, oh, we're haunted by the original comics. So it's, it's just an interesting way to look at it. Absolutely. There was actually an episode of The Watch Podcast with Damon Lindelof on it. And if I'm not mistaken, that's where I heard him talking about the diversity of the writer's room for this show. And that was something that he really worked towards was having people who would understand these characters. So he had people of color in the writer's room. And I think he understood how important the race conversation was in this show. And he really wanted to make sure those voices were heard. And I just think that worked out so well. And, you know, hopefully one day we will get to the point where people are just like, oh, hey, there's this other person. They're not exactly like me, but that's fine. And, you know, in the age of the Internet, who knows when or if that will happen. But shows like this make us want to believe that that's something a lot of us still want to work towards. And I know that's certainly the case for everyone here. Yes, I agree. I think that this is such a good, a big step forward, I think, with this show because of having a, because I don't think you could, you couldn't have made, this show would not have come out if they hadn't had that diverse writer's room because there's obviously so many different perspectives and so much realism mixed in with our fantasy. And that's, I think, why it works so well. Yeah, not only diversity as far as, um, you know, race and the cultural differentiations, but I think also in regards to gender, um, because there's <laughs> there were clearly women in the writer's room. A couple of episodes are directed by women, mm-hmm. and, and you can tell. It's just really nice be- to have that perspective, too, because I feel like both Angela, uh, Angela, Lady True, and Lori are all given the kind of agency that we don't usually see female characters get in Mm -hmm. comic book storytelling and so uh just that diverse writers room i think helped everybody in general and it's it's a great thing to see and i hope that we continue to see more of it and if we could start seeing more of it from the big big names that would be amazing but this is a good start yes yeah i think watchmen even though it's not you know Iron Man, Spider-Man, Batman, even Wonder Woman. I think it's familiar enough for a lot of people in the superhero comic book realm that it's going to get a lot of people's attention. And even though it's an HBO show, which I understand not everyone has the means to watch something on HBO and subscribe to that every month just to be able to watch their shows, I think just the discourse that people are having about the show online and talking about it so much because every week that this show had an episode on my twitter feed blew up with talk about watchmen and you could see it happening on other places you know even instagram it was pretty popular on there with people posting images i know i certainly was because i was like this is amazing and it was just one of those shows that hit so hard when that first episode aired you're like okay you know, this is going to be a lot more than just 
a comic book show. Yes. That's kind of how I felt, too. Once you see it, you see everybody's reactions and everyone gets so excited. And like, that's, as they call it, prestige TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lack of a better word or phrase. But yeah, I think there's there's so much to like about it. And I would feel like we would be remiss if we did not mention, um, I know we brushed against it, but Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, mm, how... Yes amazing right chef's kiss like <laughs> pure perfection uh you will hear no bad words from me about either of them and anything they've done so and you know what it is stupidly difficult to get like it should not be this hard to get the thing because like some of it hasn't been released yet it's like come on i need my fix i need to listen <laughs> to my dark like pulsing music this is my this is my due for watching the show please yeah yeah, it's one of those soundtracks that just resonates with you. And I kind of felt the same way with Stranger Things. I was like, oh my goodness, the music just amplifies this to another level. And to get that with Watchmen, I was like, yes, thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, both, both the score and the uh, the needle drops are perfect. Um, the, the few songs that they picked, you know, that are other people's uh, work beautifully in this. Uh, and I really, really enjoy that. But uh, to speak to your point about, you know, superhero storytelling, it's funny because I, it took me, I waited like four or five episodes. People had been watching and, you know, you got to watch Watchmen, you got to watch it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know you guys. I'm really not a fan of, you know, the original stuff. And uh, I was currently at that point, I was uh, just getting into Doom Patrol, which is the DC app show and oh so weird and wonderful highly recommend as well <laughs> it's really good it's really really good and so i was watching doom patrol and i had just finished watching the boys for the third time oh wow <laughs> i really liked the boys i don't know what's wrong with me i still need to watch it it's something it's really <laughs> really uh it's garth ennis i mean if you know the work of okay, garth ennis yep. then then you're, I know garth you're gonna ennis. understand <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It actually is a great companion to something like Watchmen and also Umbrella Academy. I feel like right now the the stories that we're getting um, on TV that are about, you know, sort of the misfits or sort of the what if superheroes were totally screwed up. I'm calling it goth superheroes. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Goth superheroes. I love my goth superheroes because like, yeah, the boys, Watchmen, Umbrella Academy, um, it, these are all Doom Patrol. These are all these shows where, you know, it's definitely more for adults. Uh, some of them are more funny. Some of them are more serious, but they all have, you know, very dark elements, very, very adult elements. And I think they're just all killing it. And you couldn't pay me to sit through like mainstream superhero stuff right now. So hats off to to the goth superheroes. I'll still sit through all the mainstream superhero stuff for you so you don't have to. Don't worry about it, Danny. I will, Perfect. too. I can, I can watch it all. I can enjoy it all. You can give me all. the feedback. That's fine. I'll just be over here in Hot Topic Edgelord Corner. We'll just let you know. Be like, this one's worth it. I mean, just when you're having a having a day, watch this one, and you'll just totally forget. Exactly. Perfect. I, I would guess Wonder Woman 84 is probably going to yes. be that. Yeah, that I'm excited for. I hope Birds I'm of Prey super. too, and Birds of Prey. Yes. Both oh. of those. Those are like the two I'm interested in. So good call. But Birds of Prey <laughs> is definitely goth superhero. Okay, like look at Harley. She's got that style. She rocks it. Like we all. Love and she's her. got a cartoon show now. Yes, also yes. very good. Deserve it. Deserve. It's super cute. 
the adult superhero comic book shows are certainly leveling up their game a lot within, I would say, really just the last two years. It's just kind of like hit after hit. And even if something like Doom Patrol is on a even lesser subscribe to platform, I feel like I still know people who have been talking about these DC shows and Watchmen being under, you know, that vertigo umbrella that I guess no longer exists. I don't really know what's going on with DC's imprints and everything, but I think I there no are idea. a lot of stories like Watchmen that would make for great TV shows or movies that they're just now starting to take a chance on. And yes, I know Watchmen was a movie way back when. I don't even know what year it actually was, but it was a while ago. And you just have so many more of these stories now, especially with a publisher like Image. You know, there are so many adult stories told in comic books that I think would be so fun like this one to watch on the screen. But Danny, you mentioned having watched The Boys a few times now. So that made me think of this quick question I have for both of you. Do you see yourselves rewatching this anytime soon yes definitely i feel like as we're talking about it, i'm like oh yeah that part oh yeah that part and i'm like i feel like i've missed so much i need to go back and watch it again because this is definitely one of those shows i think that rewards a rewatch because since you really don't know fully what's going on until shit like this very end of the second to last episode like mm -hmm. it's I think it'll be interesting to rewatch it knowing everything that's coming and kind of, okay, I'm going to pick out all the details. Yes, definitely. This and The Witcher I am rewatching soon. Yeah, I will definitely rewatch it. In fact, um, as soon as I finished it, I went and got my husband and I was like, so we're watching that together because <laughs> uh, I want to watch it again, but I want you to watch it. So, and he was like, well, I don't really like the comic. I was like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry. I got you. I got you. <laughs> You're like, that's how I felt. Don't worry. You'll change your mind. Exactly. Honey, you've heard my drunken Alan Moore rants. You know. <laughs> yeah. As you both know, the only time I tend to rewatch stuff is for the purpose of this podcast. And unfortunately, I didn't do it before recording this, but Eventually, I do want to rewatch it and see if I can pick up on more of the little details that I maybe missed the first time around. Because with a show like this, there's always going to be those kind of little details that you might have missed the first time around. And it's hard because I have so many things that I want to watch. I'm like, can I really afford to rewatch this? But I think with Watchmen, I will have to make an exception. And even if I just sit down one day and do it all in one day, I will be happy having rewatched it. For sure. I feel like it just has so much to offer. Like there's... Yeah. And you, I think I could rewatch even just... I think I'll probably at some point... This will be a regular rewatch for me and I'll get certain episodes like, oh, I just want to, I just want to watch this episode again. Because there's... Each one feels like feels like its own story encapsulated within a bigger story. They do a really good job of that. They do. And I think I have to give it to Damon Lindelof. Like, I don't care for a lot of his work. I am not a fan. And mostly because I find his penchant for mystery boxes and his previous kind of unwillingness to really invest in a good ending mm -hmm. really bothered me. <laughs> and... This just utterly 
turn me around on that. I was like, okay, you listened to feedback because this is very obviously an attempt to make something different than what everything he's made before. And I think that was a great choice. And I'm so glad because I this showed me I was great. You can be a great and maybe it's because he's the showrunner and he's not necessarily writing the script. He's just kind of guiding the room, as it were, with a lot of his own input in the story. And maybe that's what he's really great at. But I have to say, he really impressed me with how well he structured this story. Same. Uh, I was really impressed. And it's interesting you say, you know, not committing to an ending because I was a little surprised that they went with a completely ambiguous ending. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was like, whoa, we're going with an inception ending in this? Okay. All right. But is it an inception ending or is it a setup for a sequel? Because <laughs> I like one of those options and I hate the other option. <laughs> like, I'm I fine with either. Very divided. Like, I'll watch another one, but I feel like the story is stronger if you just leave it this is it yeah. this is what you get yeah i would rather they leave it like if they do a watchman season two i would want it to be focused on completely different characters be a completely different like if you want to do something sort of anthology style with it go for it but i want this part of the story to be done because i feel like i feel like just seeing her foot touch the water i'm like that's all i need i'm done i'm good that's it yeah i liked that i was like, yeah okay and that was the comparison i made to it was inception it's the inception ending <laughs> It was really good all around. Danny, do you have anything else that you would like to bring up for discussion? Just that I'm super excited that we're getting more shows like this. Like you said, that um, superheroes for adults mm -hmm. are getting their due on TV, uh, that we're going to be getting uh, some more of the shows, you know, that I've mentioned, uh, that we got all of Preacher because that was a ride. I still need to watch that final season. I'm so behind. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. It gets a little too uh, rushed, but it's good. Okay. Um, and we're finally going to get a Why the Last Man TV yes, series. So uh, excited. So, uh, you know, and um, Saga was just optioned. Uh, also by Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, Saga's, Saga's my jam. That's going to be an expensive one, whoever picks <laughs> that up. Yeah. And we're getting, okay, we're getting the ultimate in goth superhero-ness. We are getting a Sandman show. True. I know. Which it's I am so like, perfect. all right, this will be great because this, you know, I've read the whole comic and I, oh yeah, same. <sighs> so beautiful. So beautiful. So ethereal, but it, you know, they're really buying into it. I agree. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I think for the, the angsty comic book nerds who, you know, who have been sitting here for the past decade while everybody's like, oh my God, the Avengers, oh my God, Spider-Man. and Captain America. Captain America. And we're sitting there with our little stack of Vertigo and Image comics and we're like, one day soon. And now it's, <laughs> it's, it's finally our day. Now I just want my Kabuki, Kabuki movie or show and my, oh, uh, my Transmetropolitan show and then I'll be happy. <laughs> Those are some classics. Absolutely. Well, ladies, thank you both so much for joining me to discuss Watchmen today. Thanks for having us. I really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, thank you for having us. I will come on and talk about uh, these kinds of things anytime. And I'm impressed I didn't bring up Dr. Manhattan's Blue Dong at all. Yes! So. <laughs> the Blue Dong. Well, now you did. You squeezed it in. <laughs> I, oh. <laughs> Before we go, I quickly want to let you all know about our Patreon. You can support the podcast for a dollar a month, and that'll get you a thank you on the show for $5 a month. You can pick a topic. You know, maybe there's one of those 
future comic book shows that you would like us to discuss that Danny just volunteered for, you can do that through Patreon and you can follow us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.